Welcome to TGI, Tourism Geography Insights, the podcast of Tourism Geography's journal where we discuss our latest research and developments of our peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. I'm Mary Mustafanajad, the co-host of Tourism Geographies podcast, brought to you by the Journal of Tourism Geographies, which is an international journal of tourism, space, place, and environment. Our aim is to take scientific research on tourism and speak with authors about what all this means. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Professor Dean McCannell. Professor McCannell is Professor Emeritus from the Department of Landscape Architecture and Environmental Design at the University of California at Davis. He is also the author of the hugely influential book, The Tourist, A New Theory of the Leisure Class. And for many, Professor McCannell was really their first entrance into tourism studies and what got them excited about tourism studies. So this is just a real special opportunity to talk with uh, Professor McCannell about the concept of authenticity, which has also been one of the most influential concepts in tourism studies to date. So welcome to the show, Professor McCannell. Thank you for having me. So it's a great, this is such a great opportunity to talk to you because of course, authenticity has long been such a significant and central concept to tourism studies. And indeed has really shaped the way that most tourism scholars, I think, think about the role of tours, the role of authenticity in tourism studies. Can we start out with just thinking a little bit about the origins of the concept and the question of authenticity in tourism? In your mind, where does the question of authenticity originate? I would say that it originates mainly in the rhetoric of of tourists and and uh, people that have businesses uh, that cater to tourists because you cannot pick up a brochure. Uh, offering a tour without running into the term. Uh, I was once asked uh, by a Chinese scholar if I had it to do all over again, would I have uh, actually introduced this concept into the field of tourism studies because it's become uh, sort of kind of wacky and confused and, uh, you know, running around in all sorts of different directions. And I uh, my answer was as an ethnographer, as an ethnologist, I would have to confront it uh, because it was uh, it, it's so much a part of the rhetoric of tourists and tourism. Indeed, it didn't exist as a concept in tourism studies until I published a paper in 1973 in the American Journal of, uh, of Sociology called "Staged Authenticity." Uh, arrangements of social space and tourist settings. It has a nice geographical uh, subtitle. Uh, and then, you know, all hell broke loose from that point on. <laughs> That's one way to put it, absolutely. I mean, this concept has been so central to tourism studies, it's in, in many ways impossible to sort of ignore. Um, and it's been reiterated and reinterpreted and reconsidered in a range of different ways. I know when I read and even write about authenticity, one of the the common discussions is really that it's a challenging concept. And many people have argued that it's challenging because it's difficult to 
define. What do you think of this statement or this argument around tourism? Is it difficult to define? Uh, authenticity itself is very difficult to define, especially if you carry it back to its philosophical underpinnings. Uh, as I speak, I will very briefly remind you and me and anyone who's listening uh, that most of us have doctors of philosophy. And I have always taken that very seriously and demanded of myself that if I use a term, that I trace it back to its, its foundations, uh, whatever literatures it, it exists in, uh, and try to make sure that I understand those literatures and bring the aspects of the, the, of the concept forward that I need to be using in order to advance understanding of, a, of a, an empirical part of the world. And that was certainly the case with uh, staged authenticity. Staged authenticity is not difficult to define because there's empirical evidence everywhere we turn. Authenticity itself is difficult to define. Uh, and that would be true even if you got back into the writings of Husserl and Heidegger uh, and Merleau-Ponty and the other philosophers, that, uh, Derrida, Jacques Derrida, the other philosophers that have confronted the, the uh, notion of authenticity. I, I may be able in a, in a moment to uh, get to a way out of the philosophical dilemmas, uh, but the, uh, the grounding of it if stage authenticity is in Irving Goffman's sociology and, and his analysis of the way that normative structures work in social establishments and his concept of the back region in which, uh, it, according to his uh, analyses and observations, are where people who are intimate with one another uh, meet and they uh, operate within a normative structure that allows them to share certain intimacies, certainly not all of them, as opposed to the front region where, that is marked by relations between uh, strangers, uh, you know, basically going about uh, routine uh, businesses. And it's, my argument uh, in staged authenticity is that the tourist settings are trying to foster a sense of intimacy with uh, whatever the local people or the local uh, culture is, and so they would take pains to uh, put in all sorts of signifiers that you have gotten into a back region. And so my attention was on uh, that system of sign signifiers that uh, that signal the tourists that they are somehow uh, treading on the same ground that, that, that the local people would be treading on in terms of uh, cultural meanings and appreciation. And of course, the, the idea of staged authenticity, if you have some kind of vague idea of authenticity in a psychological or philosophical sense, staged authenticity is exactly the opposite of authenticity because it means that they're putting on a show for you and, and uh, in, in Western cosmologies, that almost automatically means that you're not in an authentic intersubjective relationship. So, so the, the concept of staged authenticity is almost exactly the opposite of what everybody else would like to mean by authenticity. Like I actually got in with the natives. 
I actually experienced this as the people, the local people would experience it, uh, that sort of thing. So, so that's, that, that's the conundrum at the start. Then the reason why it gets complicated is that I think most tourism researchers would prefer to try to deal with a concept of authenticity that has some kind of psychological force, something having to do with beliefs of people. And that's the, uh, that's the place where the concept starts to get really complicated because no one has actually grounded that in any psychology, not Freudian, not ego psychology. It's, uh, it's basically running around anybody's, anybody's definition is just as good as anyone else's definition. And when you have a situation like that in something that's trying to be a science, uh, you basically you're getting nowhere. You're just chasing your tail because until you can get an agreed upon conceptual framework uh, and grasp around the concept that that everybody's working on the same definition, then you can go someplace. But uh, so far in tourism studies, the ones that want to do what they call existential or you know psychological or you know personally meaningful authenticity so far have not been able to come up with any agreed upon definition. And that's, that's what uh, I am. I am in no way opposed to that line of work. Uh, I would never undertake it because I'm a semiotician and I don't deal with that stuff, but they, somebody needs to uh, actually say, okay, this is the way, this is the definition and this is what we're going to work on. And this is what we're going to develop. Uh, but so far, that hasn't happened. Thanks for that answer. It triggers a lot of a lot of additional questions. I guess one of the first questions I would think about, or I wanted to maybe ask you to speak a little bit more about, is what do you mean when you say you are a semi semiotician? Um, and of course, I know we're thinking about Saussure, and he talked about the science of signs, and uh, semiotics has been incredibly influential in in your line of thinking and. For listeners who maybe haven't studied semiotics uh, extensively or maybe aren't fully grasping the concepts, how significant do you think this perspective is to thinking about authenticity and how has it guided your own work? Well, it's, it, to me, it's, it, it, it's crucial. And the contrast here is uh, with a, a version, if you can uh, set up an opposition between a what I consider to be a kind of a bastardized version of phenomenology that tried to creep into the social sciences where everybody is interested in establishing the existence of what they call an intersubjective we relationship in which the consciousness, your consciousness and my consciousness somehow merge or meld. And so we are together, you know, at, at an intersubjective level is uh, that's not anything like what Husserl would have ever envisioned, even though the uh, uh, Schutz and Berger and Luckman and the others that championed that line will attribute it to ultimately to Husserl. Husserl would be aghast at such an idea. Uh, the, the alternative, the semiotic alternative, and very good Husserlians have, have found this way out. I would include Merleau-Ponty here as a first step away, and then on to Sartre, would say that the way we have access to another consciousness 
is only by way of signs. Uh, all we have are the symbols and signs uh, that, that pass between us, that we can observe uh, emanating from an, uh, another person, uh, another text, another environment that, that uh, are, are, they require interpretation. And there's no way that, that an interpretation will actually get you into a mind, you know, and give you absolute transparent access to another consciousness. You can't even get an, a, a transparent awareness of your own consciousness without, the, without utilizing symbols and signs. So the first task of the semiotician is to understand the way in which symbols and signs organize meanings. And that that's basically was the basis of Sartre and existentialism. Sartre's existentialism uh, is very foundational uh, to Goffman's sociology, and Goffman's sociology is very foundational to my approach to tourism. And the common denominator all the way through here is that we are looking at the signs that are exchanged in tourist context and asking questions about what are the uh, limits and the potentialities that exist within this particular exchange of signs. And there's no way that authenticity plays a role in that except as a kind of rhetoric. It's, uh, it, it, it has no independent reality uh, once you've looked at the problem that way. That's excellent. Thank you. I think it's just a reminder to kind of for tourism scholars to think through the semiotics of tourism and make sure we're really engaging with these original concepts and theories. From this perspective, then, there has been a lot of interest in dichotomizing authentic versus inauthentic experiences. And this is true both in the industry as well as in tourism studies and tourism management. What are you, your views on this, the persistence of this dichotomization between authentic and inauthentic experiences? Uh, one of the things that's most striking about the, um, the tourism industry at the highest end, the people that offer the most expensive tours to the top probably 5% of people in the world is that they, they always claim that they are not tours, that they are an authentic experience of the places that they're taking you to. And the, uh, the uh, authentic, inauthentic within a rhetorical frame is uh, basically uh, a major selling device that people, tourists use to separate themselves from other tourists. You know, the desire to be authentic or the desire to be, to have a superior experience, not a merely tourist experience, uh, runs all the way through uh, tourism. It's, it's probably understudied, although, some of the recent work on selfies is beginning to uh, break into that. But that, that's the basis of the, for me, that's the, the, the most foundational basis for the authentic, inauthentic dichotomy. It's a business strategy so that, tour, so that 
tourists can separate themselves from other tourists. We used to do it by saying tourist versus traveler. Travelers had authentic experiences. Tourists have near experiences and so forth and so on. It has almost nothing to do with any uh, psychological or philosophical reality. Uh, it's uh, basically advertising rhetoric. That's interesting. And I, I note that you mentioned selfies and thinking about the way that selfies are maybe an attempt to demonstrate an authentic experience. Have you thought at all about the role of social media and how social media may shift the way that tourists themselves experience or think about authenticity? Well, it, it, I, the way in which I, I haven't done any actual studies of social media, and so I'm not a very good correspondent on that topic. But my impression is, just a, just my superficial impression is that the aspect of tourism that is most developed in so, on social media, from my seeing it from afar, is uh, it is utilized to basically frame to me one of the most negative and non-ethical, I won't say unethical, but non-ethical reasons to be a tourist, which is to brag to other people about where you've been and how great it is that you got to see this and they maybe haven't yet. Th this strikes me as a very small human tendency the fact that social media would bring it out is a, a little bit distressing and disturbing, but uh, but that's just my impression. I'm not based on any studies. Now, I have looked at a lot of selfies, and I will say that if you look at a selfie from a semiotic standpoint, the um, it, it becomes fascinating because, you know, basically, what's a selfie? This is This is me in front of an important monument. Or this is me showing my backside to a, a, a precious attraction. This is me blocking your view of an important attraction. And in, in semiotics, uh, the idea is that you are supposed to derive the, the subject of the selfie. It's supposed to derive a certain amount of importance or greatness or prestige from juxtaposition, from being next to this famous thing. Uh, it's supposed to rub off onto them. In semiotics, that's called the contiguity illu illusion, where you know there's a belief that, that meaning can be just transferred by standing next to somebody. And, the, uh, and, and a selfie is the equivalent of someone that you know, will knock over furniture to be able to go and stand close to an important politician and have their picture taken with them. And, you know, they may believe that that gives them a certain amount of the prestige or the value of the person they've had their picture taken with. But what it really, you know, the manifest meaning of it is that they're needy and grasping and they have very little confidence in whatever personhood that they have on their own so in the end the meaning of a selfie if you subject it to a, you know a, just a a basic examination is the opposite of what it's intended to mean by the person that takes the selfie it it, it means 
that they are insecure and uh, and wanting uh, wanting somehow to derive a certain amount of uh, prestige from just having been next to this thing. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense in terms of thinking about selfies from a semiotic perspective. And you're right, there has been a growing uh, interest as well as a, a growing interest among tourism researchers in thinking about the role of the selfie in contemporary life. On that point, can you talk a little bit about some of the perhaps surprising or unexpected turns that authenticity has taken in the past couple of decades, especially since you popularized the, the term in tourism studies literature? Or what are some of the, in other words, what are some of the most surprising interpretations or turns that authenticity, that scholars have taken authenticity in the past couple of decades? I, I don't think I will be, do a very good job of addressing that because I start to read these, the, the, these sort of new versions of authenticity and I can never get very far because it's clear to me that they have not been the, the writer, the inventor of the uh, authenticity, you know, 3.2 or whatever it is, has has not taken the trouble to ground it in any uh, conceptual framework that would allow it to start to do work uh, in advancing our theoretical understanding of the problem. Uh, that surprises me. That bothers me, and uh, I'm racking my my head for a counterexample. But uh, no, the uh, I would love for someone to bring me a uh, a study uh, or even a conceptual uh, reflection that actually brings forward an alternative version of of authenticity. I now I believe that there. Uh, there's, I have no problem whatsoever with forensic authenticity. That has as strong a basis in in reality and in theory as as staged authenticity does. Uh, you know, if you take a paint chip from a Rembrandt and subject it to the kind of analysis that's necessary to discover that it couldn't have been painted in Rembrandt's time, then you have a, a you have a basis for declaring. Uh, that that's an inauthentic object. Or alternatively, you can put together a lot of evidence and have a strong basis for declaring that it is an authentic object. So that kind, that that version of authenticity, you know, th this is a real Stradivarius violin. It's not a knockoff. Uh, that kind of authenticity, uh, I can I, I can understand and get with. But so far, my sense of authenticity is not something that anybody has given me any confidence in uh, believing that it'll hold up through its utilization by more than another person, perhaps. Mm. Thanks for that. And you actually answered my second, my follow-up question, which is really to think about some of the missed opportunities that you might point to among tourism scholars who seek to address authenticity. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I think this is an ongoing challenge and um, in many ways it hasn't been operationalized in a way that has been useful as much as perhaps is possible or even necessary to think through, especially kind of emerging forms of tourism that require perhaps 
a new lens to think about authenticity and contemporary tourist experience. On that note, I wanted to just briefly ask you a question, a couple of questions about your concept or some of your newer threads thinking about the ethics of sightseeing and whether you think about, for example, staged authenticity, tourist ego, and the ethics of sightseeing as separate um, or distinct topics or whether you, uh, what are the, or how you see the relationship between them, if that makes sense. Well, there's a, there is, I think, a reasonable theoretical grounding that would bring uh, those concepts together. Uh, in terms of the uh, ethics of sightseeing, for example, the question that I raise in the ethics of sightseeing has to do, it doesn't have anything to do with morality, cleaning up after yourself, you know, in your campsite or anything like that. It has to do with whether you are able to derive uh, the creative potential that exists in the sightseeing experience. If a tourist goes someplace and basically accepts the version, the staged authentic version of it that uh, is being presented uh, by the tour operator and the local hosts as being, that's it, that's all there is to it and goes away uh, with that being the definition of the experience, they have not basically uh, leaned into the experience hard enough, bringing their own selves to it hard enough to be able to go away with, you know, being able to come up with something new uh, in the world. It has to do with the way in which the experience can potentially generate a new thought or a new practice or uh, a, a, a new practical way of doing things on the part of the tourist. And if that doesn't happen, they are not fully uh, accepting or, or they're not fully uh, in, engaging uh, the, the uh, ethical potential in the sightseeing experience. Basically, a, uh, ju just the existence of staged authenticity in the first place is already mobilized against an ethical experience, being seeing through it and being able to accept it and being able to understand it and to build upon it and the reason for it, then you can start to move out onto an ethical plane. My acid test of whether the uh, of whether a tourist has had an ethical experience is. It's the same as as as, as the French author Stendhal, uh, all the way back at the beginning of the 19th century, came up with with this. And to me, it it's still absolutely apt. Uh, does the tourist come away from the experience with something new to say, or are they just repeating the the touristic cant that surrounds that particular experience? These uh, uh, large and small symbolic objects uh, that are out there that are drawing all of our attention are drawing our attention because they're symbolically complex. We're capable of endlessly being able to come up with new things to say about them. And that is part of the fundamental genesis of culture itself. So the tourists can either be involved in that or they can just be going along on the surface accepting what they're being told about the place 
being happy with that, taking their picture in front of it, hoping for the best in terms of people identifying them with its greatness. And, uh, it, it, you know, that's available. That's an available uh, position. It's also the, uh, so what I call the ego mimetic position, basically using every tourist attraction as simply a, uh, a way of, of framing and protecting and projecting your own ego. There, there is a, there is a theory underneath all of this, I could say. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, I mean that brings up a number of really important questions that I think tourism studies focused scholars are really um, have long been interested in. And on on that note, I'd like to ask your perspective on why is it? Do you think that authenticity had has had such a long shelf life in tourism studies? And some might even argue has been the most influential concept in tourism studies to date. It's hard for me it's, uh, to pronounce on that, given you know, my suspicions that, it's, that the word uh, has very little, can I say, theoretical torque. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, and that may be a reason why it's bandied out so freely. Uh, nobody's holding anybody responsible for it. One, and two, it is so popular uh, within the industry, that uh, it has one in the industry will be aware of the importance of addressing at least the word authenticity, even if there's it, even if there's very little uh, theoretical hint to it. So it's a it's kind of a buzzword that you know keeps itself alive, both empirically and in the literature. But I don't. I haven't seen it really going anywhere of late. Hmm. Right. There have been many. The concept of authenticity, especially your original framing of it, um, in sociology, has really been a, an interdisciplinary um, of interdisciplinary interest. What do you think the concept of authenticity, as it's been addressed in among tourism studies scholars, can perhaps teach or how can it inform other fields outside of tourism studies? Is there a possibility for that kind of uh, further engagement beyond tourism studies itself? Or is uh, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. If someone takes the trouble of coming up with a Freudian, Lacanian, a Derridian, systematically derived version of it that has empirical grounding uh, within the, the material that we look at as tourism researchers, that would then transfer out to state, to the uh, 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 you know, other disciplines. The, uh, the first chapter, the first long chapter in my uh, most recent book, The Ethics of Sightseeing, well, I said actually not my most recent book. I, I just finished a memoir, but uh, the ethics of sightseeing is called Staged Authenticity Today. And in that uh, longish uh, chapter, I go over the ground of the way it appears in politics, in everyday life, in, in marriage arrangements, in, uh, you know, heaven only knows. And so that concept, staged authenticity, has got a lot of legs across many different empirical domains and potentially in other fields. I know the the tourist 
my group of tourists, and that's stage authenticity became chapter five of the tourists, uh, the very, very little he writes. So the, the two texts are almost identical to each other. The tourists taught as much in departments of literature as it is in uh, social science, anthropology, sociology. And so I know that there are, uh, it's taught as literary nonfiction. And I know that that's, it has influenced a large number of, of scholars in the literary, uh, literary critical fields. Great. Yes. I mean, I think these are all really great topics and different ways to think about kind of the role and implications and connections that people, that scholars of tourism uh, can make to disciplines and fields of study and topics of study outside of the field to broaden broaden the significance of what we're really looking at, which of course is, as you are one of the first to point out, is really a study of contemporary society. Um, it's been great talking with you, Professor McCannell, and for listeners, we have been talking with Professor McCannell, who of course is the author of the hugely influential book, The Tourist, A New Theory of the Leisure Class, which is a, now a foundational and classic text in uh, tourism geographies and tourism studies. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tourism Journal. And until next time, happy travels.